BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're listening to Studio 22. Welcome to Studio 22. I'm Brock O'Hearn. I'm sitting with my co-host, Will Meldman, and we're sitting with the legend, our great friend, Tyler Thompson. How's it going? Uh, thank you, man. Thank good. you. We're good. We're good. How are you guys? Good, man. How's it been, man? Um, you Nashville a lot for music, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we uh, signed the record deal back in February of this year, and um, yeah, we you know started stopping over in Nashville on the way to either New York or Los Angeles, and so uh, so yeah, I, I love Nashville, I, and you know I've met a bunch of really great people who you guys obviously know through Troubadour over there, and just through you know just mutual friends of ours, and uh, you know the community is great. It's it's not that different than like than movies, I guess. You know, I've been in movies for like twenty years, I guess now, and almost twenty years. Um, you know, everyone's just been super sweet. It's not as cutthroat as the movie business. At least I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's like definitely the one thing about Nashville when, you know, we did a bunch of episodes out there and we're talking to people like, uh, Shay Mooney and Brett Young and they're, they're all, they all have like this profound respect for Nashville as a location, <laughs> just like, you know, growing up playing there and kind of coming out there to, you know, change their careers and like talking about how it did. So like that's, I would assume that's probably the best place to go. So that's awesome that you're spending so much time there. Like it's, it's, you know, it, 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 like, you know, they have the grand old Opry there and, you know, guys that are like super, super true country, Tennessee boys and the ladies too. I mean, they're like dream is to go play the grand old Opry one day. I frankly didn't know what the grand old Opry was until I, (laughs) music business and i realized you know what it was and so like you know i started doing the research on like what it was all about and like it's you know it's it's pretty amazing like what it stands for and like just like you know it's like it's it's just like hollywood i guess like you know you know people are driven by certain things in hollywood and there's a respect for things and there's a the way people do things it's the same in nashville i mean it's like you know it's uh there's a lot of cohesiveness i guess between both businesses um yeah which which I'm coming to realize that more on the music side now. That's awesome. Did you always know that you, cause I know you've always been into music and you know, you're a guitar player, right. And everything. Did you know that yeah. this is the re- the path you want to go on? No, I mean, I, I always wanted to do it. So I like it, you know, at the end of the day, like, I think, you know how, like you kind of find a career, both of you are the same way. It's like, you kind of find something, you stumble into it and you find out, Oh, I'm actually really good at this. Like I'm going to keep continue doing this. And you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a career for me. That was kind of like movies. It's like, I didn't go to film school. I didn't do any of that other, I didn't do any of the, the necessary steps to get to the film business. I just kind of like went in, jumped into the deep end with my eyes closed without floaties. And somehow someone saved me and brought me to the top. <laughs> so the movie business just kind of like, it, it just evolved super fast for me, especially after Black Swan and those movies that followed after it, you know, and, and, you know, I always played guitar. All of my heroes were really musicians and stuff like that. And, you know, after, you know, after 15 years of being in the movie business, I was just like in the pandemic, I was like, 
let's maybe try something a little different, something different, you know, same, 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 same idea, which was like the storytelling aspect, which I do love the storytelling aspect of like, you know, making a movie and telling the story from the script. And, you know, this is a little different. It's more microwaved. And this is something that, you know, I'm in front of the camera now, I guess, as opposed to, you know, the other way where I was kind of controlling things behind the camera. Yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting too. how kind of like the last two to three years have, you know, forced people to really kind of like explore other creative options, right? It's like, we had all this time um, like to ourselves or with our families to like really think about what's important and like experiment and, and kind of try other stuff. And it's, it's amazing too. Cause like, if you think of, you know, just your incredible career in film and then it's like, it's a pretty harsh transition, just like, boom, right into music. But like, it's so fun to see you do it. And like, and I do, I was watching, um, won't take long. I mean, I was like, you never <laughs> would have guessed that it's like the beginning of a career because it's, I mean, it's, I loved it, but well, I mean, look, it's it's not all that different than what you guys are doing now, right? So, like, you're all you have like your your skill sets that that have got you to where you are now, and like, you know, I would imagine when when did you guys start the podcast? This is relatively new, right? I mean, this is it is yeah, basically February this year, yeah, twenty twenty two, yeah, February this year. But it's like at the end of the day, it's like if you're prepared to like just take on life at the different junctures of whatever business it is, like. It's just different. It's it's all the same skill set. It's just how you apply it to whatever you're doing. You guys are obviously doing extraordinarily well with the with the podcast. I mean, what what, yeah. what is this? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know how many we've, we've we're, probably filmed close to fifty now. Well, but I think about. I think it's 20. a good sign that we lost count. Yeah, but, but <laughs> yeah. no, it's it's a credit. Ask how many movies I've made. I was like, I have no idea. Yeah, so, yeah. no, I'm I'm in the same boat. When people ask me like, "Oh, how many have you done?" And I'm like, "What What did I do, man?" Like, yeah. Which is a good problem to have, right? But you know, no, it's fun. It's it's a credit to being able to you know talk about stuff with people like you, man. It's it's all the guests, and yeah. it, we've been extraordinarily lucky to have cool people on. So it's been it's been really fun. We've known each other for for a long time now. I mean, will we yeah. met you? In Baker's with your family when I was down there with my family. And Baker's then Brock, Day, yeah. I forgot when we met. We met you like right around that same time. I remember like yeah. you and Harry knew each other. And for some reason, my oldest kid was running around naked on his plane yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a that was a funny uh, trip. We went to, um, uh, was that the time we went to uh, the festival? Jazz, Fest? Jazz Fest. Jazz Fest. Um, that's right. Yeah, he talked us into going out there and, and it was such a good time, man. Like uh, uh, Jazz Fest is so unique and I've never been to a festival or a concert like that before, man. Because we had um, some just, you know, you got incredible music over here. and like It was like Stevie look, Wonder and yeah. then Snoop Dogg and, and then, then Dave Dogg, Matthews. And Dave <laughs> Matthews were front row for, exactly. And so it was just like, and, and just the culture and all the music around it. You got all these people playing instruments in the streets and uh, all yeah. throughout the night. And it's just such a, such a fun city and place to, to experience something like that. It's like the opposite of like what Coachella is like Coachella has yeah. all like the super plush amenities and like all <laughs> that. No, we were, we were trekking through some mud to get to the next, uh, next stage. That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Couple po boys on the way. <laughs> oh yeah. That's awesome, man. So we kind of want to, we you know, obviously we're huge fans of your work and uh, we love what you do, man. We kind of want to dive a little bit into the movies and then dive a little more into the uh, music. But dude, yeah, one of your first films, uh, Black Swan, what, tell me about that, dude. What was that experience like? It was interesting. I mean, it was, it was like, you know, I had made, I had made a smaller movie prior to that. It hadn't, we hadn't finished it yet. And so, you know, I had never been to Los Angeles really up until like the time whenever I found this script called Burning Palms right before Black Swan. And so while we were shooting Burning Palms, I made every mistake in the book. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I found the script in the back of someone's car while I was like pitching people to cater movie sets in Los Angeles with like fake business cards and stuff. Um, <laughs> And then whenever we got, whenever, whenever we started Cross Creek Pictures, Black Swan was the first script that we got in from Rogue Sutherland, our agent at CAA. And I remember, I remember reading, it. I think I was in like Mississippi at our hunting camp or something like that. And it was like, I was like, what in the hell is this? This is insane. And uh, it, I remember, I, I still remember I was on a rocking chair in the front and then I'd gotten like, right after I finished it, I'd gotten a call from Darren Aronofsky who was walking into WCW wrestling match or something like that, who had just 
come off of the wrestler, the movie, you know, with the movie with Mickey Rourke. Great film. Walking into WrestleMania. Um, I don't have much time. We need Cross Creek to come in. We, you know, the movie's about to shut down. I didn't, you know, that they were like a week away from shutting the production down because wow. the finance fell out that they had. And so what we did was we came in, we saved the production. I brought in Fox Searchlight <clears throat> and uh, we made the movie for them. But yeah, I mean, they were probably like four or five days from actually shutting down and like everyone going home. And like the- Natalie had worked, you know, for months on the ballet stuff. Wow. Yeah, I can't even imagine how, you know, dedicated she was to that because of how much work you have to put in. It's like, it's no joke when you really want to portray something uh, and make it realistic. And someone who's as great as she is, like, like that would yeah. be a bummer, dude. You saved the day, man, and got rewarded <laughs> for it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I mean, everyone in town had passed on that script. I mean, like, that was like, you know, we got that script because everyone else had gotten it in town and they had passed on it. You wow. know what I'm saying? That's happened to me probably three or four different times in my career where it's like you get the bottom of the barrel script because there's nothing else available. Either the streamers have all taken it or, you know, these days the streamers pick it up or like, you know, the studios take it. And, uh, you know, we were really fortunate that, you know, really worked out for us. And Darren, I mean, like through talking to Darren about his vision of the movie, it's like coming on him coming off of the wrestler and what he did for Mickey Rourke on that movie. It was just like, you know, the guy just was clearly on a path and it made sense, you know, and it was like, yeah. you'd had this story told before. So I think like today you see a lot of stories told over and over and over again. And so yeah. something fresh. Honestly too, though, with your track record with cross Creek, um, you know, we talk a lot with different producers who are friends of ours. And once we've had on the podcast, you know, Brian Zurif, Todd Garner, um, and in all of them, they said, you know, to be a great producer, you have to have great taste, you know? Um, and truth be told, if you look at Cross Creek's resume, look at your resume, you clearly have great taste because everything you do is phenomenal. Oh, uh, thank you. And like, it's, it's, it's and working with the biggest stars. Absolutely. Yeah. And everything's got this great tone, this great feel. You're, and you tell a lot of stories that are, uh, uh, based on, you know, real characters, right? Real people, uh, a lot of yeah. times. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's like the search for authenticity slash like relatability. I think like, um, that's what I've at least done. Look, no one has the secret key to like what movies are going to work, which ones aren't going to work. I mean, some of my most successful movies, people thought I was stupid. Like, oh, like Black Swan people, you know, I, we didn't know anyone to tell us we were stupid, but if we did, they would have told us, we were stupid. <laughs> um, you know, all, just most recently, like Chicago seven, you know, I mean, they were trying to get that movie made with Spielberg when I was in high school, you know? And wow. so, whenever, you know, whenever we got into it and we were kind of going through the motions with Aaron Sorkin on it, everyone, the same situation, everyone in town had passed on it. And I somehow got Paramount to give us a rent a system deal and we made it. And I remember I got calls from everyone like, what are you doing? You're burning money. No one's ever going to see this movie. And frankly, it was like for, 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 you know, for worse, you know, the stars and the moon aligned on Chicago seven, where it was like all that George Floyd stuff kind of caught up. And it was like, it was a very, very relevant movie. And so we couldn't release it in theaters. And so we had to go to Netflix So Netflix ended up, you know, buying the movie, but like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, all you could really do is, you know, there's no, there's no secret formula or anything. In my opinion, I just think it's like, just find authenticity. Uh, you find authenticity and relatability and that's kind of the two things we've always you know tried to stay in the lane with well so one of your next films i I mean i believe you went the woman in black and then rush but um the film rush i mean another film kind of based off real people a real story i mean did you feel extra pressure on that film in order to portray those characters well and like really do them justice in rush yeah yeah, I mean, uh, I think enough. Well, uh, that was a little different. I think because they were so po- those two characters were so polarizing. I think if they were, I, I think because they were so polarizing, it was tough to miss on that. So I think, like more importantly, you know, of the authentic uh, of the of the authenticism or, or the authentic uh, characters were the it was the racing because you know that both of those characters, all they really gave a shit about at the end of the day was the racing. You know, James Hunt was a, you know, was a ladies man and Nikki Lauda, all he cared about was the, the chemistry of racing, you know? And so I think like, you know, on that, you know, that one, that one was different than like black mass, for example, with like Whitey Bulger, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a character piece. 
you know, where Rush was more of like, how do we get the racing so authentic that people can't tell the difference? And I think Ron Howard did that. We spent tons and tons of weeks and we, you know, Canon actually developed a new camera um, so that we could actually get some of these really amazing scenes that we ended up getting at the Nuremberg in, uh, in Germany. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And I don't feel like too many films have really, uh, you know, captured authentic racing on that, on that scale. You know, you guys did an incredible job and <clears throat> I almost felt like, you know, with Chris, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Hemsworth, that was, a uh, one of his early films. Right. And then it got yeah. a whole second life, you know, once he really blew up as well. I felt like, I felt like I kept seeing rush everywhere after that. It's true. Yeah. I mean, like whenever we made rush, uh, I remember Ron Howard telling me at the premiere in Toronto, because we had tracking was out by, by this time. And we made Rush like in 2008, maybe, I think it was seven or eight. I forgot what it was, 2007, 2008. It was before Formula One was massive in the US. I mean, now they have like Drive to Survive on Netflix and it's like yeah. people, five to whatever that thing is on Netflix, people love Formula One now in the US. They had no idea what it was in 2007 whenever we made this movie. And so tracking was in and it wasn't really like, it wasn't, going to be this amazing movie from what we were, we all kind of knew internally. And, um, Ron Howard's literally, he, he told me in Toronto, he said, you're going to be sitting at dinner with someone and they're going to say, God, Rush was my favorite movie. I watched it with my wife for the first time the other night and you're going to want to punch me in the face because <laughs> they didn't go to the theater to watch it. And, uh, you know, the way it should be watched. Oh and, man. Like it's, it's like at the end of the day, if you made that movie today, we would have we would have made money on it. It would have been successful. Yeah. But you know, back then it wasn't wasn't so successful. So I, I have a question. Uh, have you punched anyone yet? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I've come really close a couple of times. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny, man. Yeah, it's it's crazy because it's such a great film too. You know. Um, yeah, and it kept the tradition alive of you know your films being nominated and winning Oscars, right? I mean, it was like yeah. No, we yeah. did. I think like. We it was a phenomenal feat on that movie. I mean, we shot it like North, in North London in the uh, in like the dead of winter, and uh, I mean, like Ron, the attention to detail in that movie was more. It was all, it was it was close on Hacksaw Ridge, but on Rush, it was it was pretty damn pretty damn precise on the racing side. And I would I would argue with anyone on that. I think. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Yeah, I, I I mean, I absolutely love that film. I I remember being blown away when I first saw it, and like. Down to the, like Brock was saying too, the performances, kind of launching, you know, Chris Hemsworth career, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, that like fine detail on those Formula One cars and like the, oh man, yeah. I, I'm going to watch that again soon. Yep. <laughs> I love that movie. I sat down with your, with your dad one night um, and we were talking about Hacksaw Ridge. That movie was, was insane though. I mean, we were shooting yeah. that in Australia and it was, uh, we were over budget constantly on that movie. I mean, really? it was like every day you'd wake up, you're like, oh, we want more people here. We need more dirt. We need more explosives. We need more of this. We need more of that. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I mean, that that was a fun ride. That that movie was incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it was like, it was kind of like it became really relevant because of like, you know, gun violence and things like that. And it's like, you know, you have an character as a, as a pacifist. And so, it, you know, it's... Uh, it's like that goes back to like once again, like for some reason, the sun, the moon, the stars line up on these movies, and like it just, you know, it makes sense for, you know, coming out in the world, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to kind of flip the genre on its head and like they have the hero be the medic and like a pacifist, like you said, I mean, I, I think it's genius. And then also, like, I mean, Mel Gibson is definitely one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. I mean, The Patriot, Apocalypto you know, yep. Braveheart. I mean, it's like, I, I try to, you know, regardless of whatever controversies there might be, I, I tend to separate the artist and the art. Um, and like growing up with those films, it's just, he's, he's a, he's an amazing storyteller. And I think one of the best of certainly our generation, um, you know, in films that'll last forever for sure. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's true. It's, it's that attention. Like a lot of people ask me, and Mel is in the stratosphere as well. Like you just said, like a lot of people ask me, like, what's it like working with like Johnny Depp or Tom Cruise or, you know, these people. And, and at the end of the day, what it really is, is like, it's just that unwavering confidence and the unwave, unwavering search to, to, you know, for, to, to tell a story and make a movie. And it's on it. You see it with these people. And that's why 
you know, with Mel Gibson, there will never be another Mel Gibson, mm. you know, because of, of his attention to detail, attention to story and his attention to character, like Braveheart. I mean, how do you build a movie? I mean, it, it just it, to, to, to imagine that just coming again, that just does a lot of people have tried to make Braveheart and it doesn't work. It doesn't translate. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why Tom Cruise makes a billion plus on top gun and looks better than the 18 year olds in the movie. I mean, like yeah. it's like, it's like the, the, you know, the dedication to the craft and it is. And it's like, I, you know, a lot of, I haven't really seen, I've, I've seen it with a few of the younger directors and things like that, but I think it's still to be seen of, you know, who's the next, who's the next, you know, what's that next group of, you know, Tom Mel Gibson's and, you know, Spielberg's and all that other stuff. I'm excited yeah. to see, is and what they come up with but i mean like those guys just the attention to story is like it's just it's you know yeah i feel like as as people we kind of evolve um and kind of push the boundaries and we keep on seeing what's possible and then we go do more and more and more so it's i'm very curious to think you know someone like mel gibson who's such a great storyteller uh such a great actor uh tom cruise somebody who's through and through is one of the most impressive actors of all, of all time, uh, even with what he does in stunts alone. I'm like, I'm as an actor, I'm like, I don't think I'd be jumping off that building, man. Like that's not really on my to-do list. <laughs> I'm not really wanting to do that, you know, but um, not to mention like 30 times a day or like 50 yeah, times a yeah. day. Or, or even just having as many licenses as that guy does, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can fly yeah. anything. It's that dedication to craft, right? You know, and, it, and I think that is what, you know, makes somebody, but then also, uh, all the work that happens in between that, that really makes the difference between somebody who's, you know, good and somebody who's great. And those guys have it, you know? Yeah. True. And look, there's a reason why those movies, you know, when people think back, I don't care who you are, you, everyone knows Braveheart, you know, there hasn't been another one like it. Everyone knows yeah. Top Gun knows, you know, the, whatever one, you know, Johnny Depp's got a bunch of them, but I mean, like at the end of the day, there's like, there's a reason why those guys are who they are. And it's like, it's not luck. For sure. It's like, it's a hundred percent attention to detail, man. It's, you yeah. know, and it's, you know, I, I love it. And that's what keeps me going back to the well to work with people like Darren Aronofsky or, you know, hopefully maybe one day Mel Gibson again or Tom or something like that. But um, yeah, you know, Tom Cruise is actually going to space for his next movie. Yes. After really? Yep. Yeah. I heard yeah. that. That's going to, it's going to be the first film uh, ever shot in space, right? Yeah. First movie. He's going to the IF for 35 days to shoot this thing. It's insane. Dude. I mean, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him, right? I mean, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> that is awesome. Like, yeah. I, that's like, that's is. what else do I want to do? Like, how far can I, and I, can I go? I've done pretty much everything. Oh, let's go to space. Let's, he's going to be the first guy to shoot a movie on Mars, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That'll be Mission Impossible 12 or 13. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> the last mission. <laughs> button, because he keeps like, he keeps that he doesn't age for some reason. Dude. Right. Speaking of Tom Cruise on American made, I mean, I'm assuming he did all his stunts, but like how much of it did he do? And like, I know there's like a lot of plane yeah. flying and all that. What was that like? He did all of it, man. I think like, you know, he did, he even was in the helicopter shooting some stuff with, with uh, Alan Perwin who ended up passing away on the movie uh, in, a, in a plane crash out in Columbia. But um, yeah, I mean like he was, he was more involved with every aspect of this movie that I've ever seen an actor be involved with. I mean, all the way down to like how fast the kids, the background kids were riding bikes and stuff like that background and stuff. But yeah, I mean like he flew all the planes. Um, yeah. I mean, it was just like, like literally every night, just talk about like attention to story. Like we would rap and then we would, you know, everyone would go to his house and look at the pages for the, for the following day, the next day rehearse. And they would also rewrite scenes every single day we'd rap. And so it was like the constant, he was living with the writer and the director, Gary Spinelli and Doug Lyman. Doug Lyman did Jason Bourne. And yeah, uh, he wanted you know, to keep him close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it was literally like, it's just like so much attention to detail with him. And he did everything on that movie, all the stunts. I mean, there weren't a ton of stunts, but I mean, he like, you know, he, he flew all the planes and did all that other stuff. And, and on like any normal film with any normal actor, I mean, that would be considered a bunch and, and a lot, but like. It's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's if all it, relative, yeah. right? I, I, just a total random funny moment. But like, I remember the first TV show I was ever shooting, they put me on a motorcycle and they wanted me to pull into the, uh, to the diner and then get off yeah. the bike and go in. And 
I don't know who checked this bike before I got in. And I've never had this happen in my life before, but I, I pulled up and I make this left turn and my handlebars go from down here to up here in the oh, middle shit. of the turn. <laughs> and, I, and I parked in the, I somehow controlled it, didn't fall off, right? And uh, pulled in the, in the spot next to it. And then we, I go inside, you know, cause I was supposed to be in the, in the closer one. And then I ended up in the one next to it. And afterwards, you know, Tyler, who's Tyler Perry's show, he goes, he's like, uh, what, why'd you do that? You know, you should have been in, uh, you should have been in that spot over there. You know, like what happened? Yeah. I'm like, uh, I almost crashed. Dude. I was like, the handlebars went up and almost flipped me off the bike. It was the most <laughs> random thing, but it's funny. Cause like, you never know what's going to happen with stunts. And, and it really just puts it in perspective of being safe, you know, and there's gotta be a safety element there. Dude, on our, on our horror film, I drove a pickup truck through glass lobby doors, like these giant lobby doors that were Hurricane all made glass. of glass. And like, we're, we're sitting there like, who's going to do the stunt? And I'm like, as the EP, I'm like, well, I don't want anyone doing it. If I'm, you know, liable for everyone, I want everyone to be safe. I'll do it. Like if anyone yeah. gets hurt, it'll be me. <laughs> like, yeah. But you know, it was nothing obviously on the level of like a major movie star or Tom, but it was kind of, kind of cool. No, it was pretty, it was a very like uh, hurrah moment. Very, yeah. very crazy. Broke the truck dude. <laughs> dude. Well, there was like a 20 foot, 30 foot ledge right on the other side of it, but he had to clear the corner for the scene. Yeah, you had to ram through it and then stop and turn. And but I had to do it before you guys turned the corner. Yep. So it was like yeah, on yeah. a clock, on a turn. But honestly, but then the axe, you, all the glass broke. This is hurricane glass. This 20, 30 foot like glass uh, doors in the front. And as soon as you got around the corner, everyone was like, you could hear a pin drive drop because you're yeah. like, did he drive off the edge? Like, what's happening? <laughs> is Will okay? Like, everyone's freaking out right now, dude. And then it was a, it was an awesome moment after after the fact. And uh, and then crushed it. we have to like they're breaking out of the hotel, so Brock throws an axe like through a glass door, and we I, we took right like up. thirty minutes with the entire crew to like debate whether or not we should do it. Like, is it going to bounce back? Is the glass going to break? Like all this, everyone was so nervous. Brock's like, guys, guys, got this. And like, he just takes his giant axe. I swear to God, like not only did it shatter like instantly, but it rolled maybe a hundred yards like into the parking lot. And we like lost the axe. It went so far. Yeah. Everyone got in my head that it wasn't going to break. You know, it's hurricane glass and, and you could hit a, you know, yeah, it wouldn't break. Right. Yeah. So I, they, they gave me this, this big sledgehammer, this big axe. Um, and everyone's in my ear. You're not going to break it. It might bounce back. We have to do like F freaking out for like an hour, man. I'm like, yeah. I was like, guys, just, we had one tape and I'm like, just let me throw this damn thing. You know, like I'm ready to throw it. Yeah. And we threw it and we couldn't find it for like 20 minutes after the scene, dude. And they're like, oh, it's on the other side of the parking lot. It was gone. It was hilarious, <laughs> man. Well, but that's, I mean, dude, people are just so nervous. Like, you know, they, you know, safety's obviously, you know, the top thing. So everyone's yeah. just so anyone getting hurt, you know, whether it be a movie or a construction site or whatever it is, but like, you know, Tom, like speaking to Tom, the guy just goes that extra thousand yards to make sure that it's so safe. Yeah. Everything like from like hanging off the side of a plane with that guy. I mean, you know, he, he was showing me where like a pebble had come up right before takeoff or something. A pebble had shot up from one of the, uh, one of the wheels on the plane and clipped yeah. him like right here. And it's like literally like a thing, like indented in his like body. It's insane. Oh. It's like, wow. You don't think about that. Cause I mean, I, I ride my yeah. motorcycle a lot and, and I, I'll get hit by a rock every now and again. And I'm like, dude, it's like, you're going an extra, you know, let's say 75, 80 miles an hour towards it. And it's hurling towards you. Who knows how fast that thing hits you. I can't imagine yeah. on a plane taking off. Going like 300 miles yeah. an hour. Yeah. What? It's insane. It's crazy. what an animal, dude. That's so awesome. Back at the same. It's like, yeah, I just can't fathom. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Well, I, I kind of on the same subject, like I was at CinemaCon and I saw a behind the scenes thing on, on Tom for like Mission Impossible 8 or 7 or 8. And he basically like the directors and the producers were watching him on the monitors and, I, and he did like the motorcycle base jump thing, I think like maybe 30 times that day. And then he jumped out of a plane 15 times that day. And like, yeah. you just see the producers and the director on the monitor just like, every single time he does it so i'm like i mean at that level it just must be crazy oh yeah i mean especially like given like i mean something happens to someone on set such two three hundred million dollar movie you know you're in production at the end of yep. the day it's stakes are so high and it's just like using u.s government planes <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah there's just so much so much shit that happens if something goes wrong on you know especially if it happens to your lead actor right yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your your song "Won't Take Long," man. What was uh, the inspiration behind that? And you know, did it take you a long time to to write that and come up with it? And, and no, what's next? So, so that's one of the songs on the record. So I have fourteen songs on the record. Um, I co-wrote three, uh, four. I co-wrote four songs on the record. This one was written by a guy named Will Hogue, who's okay. from Nashville. He's from Franklin, Tennessee, actually. And he wrote that song. Like he wrote a few different songs for some country bands and stuff like that. But I've known him. I've known him forever. I've known him since I was like 15 years old. I guess I'd met him when he was playing music down here in New Orleans. And um, he was like my first phone call when I wanted to, you know, go make a record. I called a friend of mine, Mark Broussard, who's a singer down in um, down in Lafayette, who I think you know, Brock, and. Um, he, uh, I was like, Hey, you know, I need to come up with some really great country songs. I need someone to co-write with and someone to give me some stuff that they've already written. And he gave me Will Hoag's number. I called Will and gave him the spiel. I was like, listen, if you can give me some songs, I will, I can get these things on the radio. I can get a record deal and, and it's going to work. I had no fucking idea what I was talking about. <laughs> He's just like, He's like, okay. He's like, all right. He probably thought I was nuts. And then he ended up sending me, I was actually at Yellowstone club at y'all's place, Yellowstone club, like a year and a half ago. And he had sent me over these like 10 songs or something like that, that, that I just love some demos. And, um, I ended up just like working on that. When I got home, I ended up just working on these demos at this bar called Tipitina's in new Orleans and, um, worked out the choruses, changed a lot of stuff up. And the next call was essentially to Steve Jordan, who plays drums for the Rolling Stones now. And he's producing their next record. He produced like John Mayer's stuff, oh, wow. uh, you know, Cheryl Crow and stuff like that. He's a phenomenal drummer, one of, the, one of my favorites and, what, you know, an amazing producer. And so we just had some conversation over the course of like four or five months about what we're going to do with the record. You know, I had never sang before. And so at the end of the day, I was like, I had to learn how to sing. I was like, I, I can either bring someone to sing for me, but what's the fun in that? You know, yeah, yeah. we spent a lot of time just talking about what the record was going to sound like and creating a sound before we actually went in the studio to cut it. And, um, you know, the goal was to essentially take these demos, write some, but also take some of the demos that I had from my pal, Will Hogue, and really create a real rock record like like petty did with his first record damn yeah you know, i don't know if it was damn torpedoes whatever one the petty record was first but i was really loving that at the time and so i think like we just set out to create a sound that you know that didn't sound like anything today and i think we kind of ended up through the process of the last year and a half like creating this sound that kind of sounds like Mellencamp and petty and you know those guys like what was great about country in the 80s and 90s and stuff um and so yeah so i, I ended up signing a deal with sony nashville and um you know won't take long as the first single it came out this past friday yeah man i do i probably listened to it 10 20 times a day every day since dude honestly i literally find myself on like these like spotify it's like i feel the same way when i release a movie like that opening weekend that I did when I, when I released the song, I was like sitting there watching the numbers. Like how many people are listening to it on Spotify and Amazon and Apple music and stuff. And you could see that stuff in real time now. Like who's like listening to the song. That's and awesome. I, yeah. I had like the same amount of, of anxiety as I do on the movie side. The movie. I'm like, shit. I was like, I went, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I wouldn't care as much. Oh, that's so funny, dude. Uh, you must find like when you're the one kind of singing and playing guitar that there is this kind of extra level of vulnerability as an artist and a creator, right? Yeah, it is. It's like, you know, when when we get a shit review on a movie, it would be like, you know, when Rolling Stone would say Pride, Prejudice and Zombie gets, you know, 0.5 stars, I'd be like, huh, you know, at least try. But like if <laughs> someone gave me a 0.5 star on the song, I'd be like, what the fuck? I don't know if I'd leave. <laughs> house for two weeks <laughs> it's another reason to punch somebody in the face man exactly. yeah. oh, oh man that's that so 14 songs um do you know when you're going to release the new ones no, yeah the so rest I, of the album the next song on the record is going to come out in the next 30 days um so we're going to let won't take long kind of do its thing we're on some good playlists on spotify amazon and apple right now and uh, the plan is to kind of like organically, I guess, grow the foundation. I mean, like I literally have like, I've got like 1400 Instagram followers. It's like basically like my mom, my grandma and a couple of my buddies from like home of Louisiana. And like, you know, so whenever we turn the lights on on this music thing, no one knew that I was a musician, obviously. And I wasn't an overwhelmingly like, you know, 
celebrity-ish like producer on the film side i kind of kept my head down just went to work and so like when we turned the lights on on this it was like people were like wait a minute he plays music you know and so it's like i'm still building that foundation and i think um you know organically over the next six to eight months before we re release the record you know we're going to play some shows maybe with the wallflowers who we're talking to Ooh, right now wow. uh yes yeah, so we want to do some stuff later this fall some festivals next year and just kind of you know grow the cause, I guess, if you will, and try and just, you know, get out there as much as possible, do things like this with pals of mine, you know, yeah. like you got, uh, you know, keep well, going with it. Well, the music will speak for itself. That's for sure. I mean, it's so, it's amazing and you'll get it out there. Yeah. Man, it's, it's, it's cool. That's, that's one thing that me and Will talk about a lot, you know, and, and Will's become a writer in this last, you know, in the last year. And, uh, we've done a comic book together and, and now we've got the podcast, you know, and, and always exploring different avenues of creativity and, and storytelling. Um, so anytime we have a friend or anybody really, but especially a friend who we're already a fan of, we're already a fan of your work and what you do. And now you're finding this new outlet for uh creativity and, and storytelling and and just everything with the music that you're doing uh it just gives us another thing for to root for you for man and like we're so stoked to see what you're doing the music's amazing already your family's fired up dude like i was, I was talking to michael he's like dude I, tyler kind of came out of left field with this man we didn't even know you know <laughs> it's inspiring very confused about it they're like wait what are you doing now are you <laughs> gonna play awesome. <laughs> but dude, I think that that's a testament to who you are as a person as well in the sense of like, you know, even with filmmaking, you took a risk, you know, making this first film, going and doing it and flying to LA, sneaking into parties, doing what you had to do. And, and it paid off, man. It's the same. I think it's gonna be the same exact thing as it already is. Uh, you know, you got to deal with Sony and, and your music's already, you already got an album made. It's freaking awesome, bro. <laughs> Thank y'all so much. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's just perpetuating storytelling, as you guys said. And it's, you know, it's all the same skill set. It's just applying it a little differently. This time yeah. I'm on the other side of the table, yeah. you know, yeah. the other side of the table in a very long time. I find myself like groveling, like I'll do anything if I can just get on a great Spotify playlist. Just let me know what it is. Uh, but it's awesome. fun. I enjoy being at the bottom of the hill and, you know, having to work my way up. And it's, uh, you know, I'm still relatively young. I'm like 36 years old. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I do kids though so like you know it's a second job it'll help pay the light bills hopefully one day there you go <laughs> absolutely man and it is inspiring you know like crossing over into other mediums and um just creating and you know i think it's great for people to hear like how much you enjoy it and that genuine passion for it and just like inspiring people to you know explore a creative outlet if if they really feel that strongly about it for sure yeah yeah i'm I'm curious with uh, uh, your kids, uh, how have they taken to you, uh, you know, going on this oh. journey now, this path? <laughs> so I've had like, won't take long. It's been mixed and mastered now for a little while. <clears throat> and uh, I've played it for them probably 7 billion times. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter, the youngest is like, she can't stand my music. Like she's like, <laughs> like she absolutely uh. hates um, but the, the boys actually, they have a lot of fun with it. One of them like sings it in the back seat and stuff like that. So That's it's a awesome. lot of like, you know, it's uh it's a little something different and you know, you got to keep, you got to keep, you know, keep people guessing. And, yeah. uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's ho hopefully to show my kids that, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to. Yeah, man. Uh, I've all, I've always been a fan of, uh, singing and country music as well. And, um, what, how, how difficult was the journey of learning how to sing or was it just going at oh, it and, and it was tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard story. Cause that's something yeah. I want to do one day, even if it's for a film or something like that. But, but I yeah. can imagine. Yeah. Even if it's for a film, I mean like, you know, most people, you know, that take on those big musical roles. I mean, Brock, you wouldn't take on a musical role unless you knew you had it, you know, vocally, I'm sure because of just like how quick you have to like figure out how to sing. Yeah. Uh, but, that's a grueling process. And a lot of that is operatic and stuff like that. So it's more, more finely tuned than the shit that I do. Um, and I mean, no, it was tough. It was grueling. It was like, it was like a year and a half of learning how to sing. Like I would drop the kids off at 8am. I'd come back yeah. and while, like the wife was working out. I was like, I was like practicing vocal lessons on the piano with this guy, like almost every day Wow. before LA would wake up. And, uh, you know, it was, it was tough, man. It was, it was pretty brutal. A couple of times I screamed at the kids and I lost my voice completely. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Three months ago, I guess it was, I was like, Oh, I guess my career's over. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
my voice for like a month or something like that. I think one of the kids took a toy and threw it at another one, and I screamed. And I was like, "Whoa, my vocal cords are blown!" <laughs> I've never wow. had this. Uh, but yeah, it's it, tough, man. Grueling. It's it definitely is. But it's like we we worked. Steve Jordan and I worked really hard to not just sing the sing the songs, but like create a sound in the vocal that's not necessarily a phenomenal vocal. It's not by any means a phenomenal vocal, but what it is, it's like it's it's a good enough vocal that tells tells the right story and it's believable. And it's all about making it believable, I think. You know, yeah. I'm never gonna be hell, but you know, maybe one day I'm almost as good as Levon Helm and telling stories in these songs. And that's kind of what, you know, what I'd love to do. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's I'd love to hear that, man. Yeah, I've I've had some friends who could not sing to save their life before and did did exactly what you're doing and then they become phenomenal and i'm like how did you go from tone deaf yeah. to incredible <laughs> like it's mind-blowing to me you know and you see that with like ed sheeran you know he he played some uh, yeah. i've seen some interviews him playing uh tracks of him singing before and it was like ooh, and now he's you know ed. it's true it's yeah, impressive yeah, yeah. Man, yeah dedication to it and it's confidence yeah. too like yeah. it's like rock i mean at the end of the day it's like you have to, there's that unwavering confidence that you have to have. And because it shows on screen, oh, yeah. you can, everything that unwavering confidence. And you could tell the ones that, that are not so confident about themselves and same with yeah. singing, same with singing. Yeah. It's funny. The, the, I'm, I'm looking at it from an outside perspective for you, man. And, um, you know, starting with producing films and now you're moving into, uh, uh, singing songwriting and, and now you're a musician. Um, it seems like the natural next progression after this step is going to be acting in front of the camera, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, and look, I, when the article came out, actually, I think Billboard had, had released that, that I signed the record deal, whatever it was. And I got a ton of calls because the, our, the headline said like shifts from, you know, transitions from movie producer to now just country music. Like, are you quitting making movies? You <laughs> make movies anymore? I was like, no. I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I've got a movie coming out later this year. And uh, uh, speaking yeah, so of, what can you tell us about the upcoming projects? Yeah, so we have, um, we have this movie called The Pale Blue Eye with Netflix that we shot um, around West Point up in, uh, up in New York and Pittsburgh. And um, it is a, it's based on a book. It's with Netflix and Christian Bale starring. Um, Harry Melling stars as, as Edgar Allan Poe. But, you know, the premise is essentially... Um, back in the 1800s, it's said at West Point, this retired New York detective is hired to go solve a series of murders, um, some cadet murders over there. And when he gets there, he befriends a young cadet who the world would soon come to know as Edgar Allan Poe. And Edgar Allan Poe was actually a cadet at West Point um, during this time. And so the, the characters in the movie were real historical characters. Wow. Just the plot and everything is fictional. And it's uh, there's a, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing, you know, murder mystery type thing, but it's got some really deep undertones and it's, it's good. It's one of my favorites that I've ever made. I mean, Christian Bale is one of the best oh. actors of our time. I mean, like, you know, so to yeah. work with him, phenomenal. And Scott Cooper, I made Black Mass with, and he's a good friend of mine. Scott did Crazy Heart. He made Black Mass with me, with Johnny Depp. And so now, you know, we're make, we made this together. Um, That's cool, man. Yeah. yeah. yeah coming out January 6th. Netflix, really Netflix. Well, I am very much looking forward to that. That's for damn sure. Yeah, Christian Bale and oh man, Edgar Allan Poe, eighteen hundred. That's like right up my alley. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's a big whodunit. It's like a big. There's like a witch hunt in the middle of it. It's 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 a lot oh, of fun. Wow. A lot of fun. That's gonna be awesome, man. We're definitely looking forward to that. How was it yeah. shooting a, a something in the eighteen hundreds? You know, a film. It was amazing. It's like, you know, I've shot in I've shot in a lot of different time periods. I shot movies four different time periods, but like I guess working in that time period in the eighteen hundreds, especially at West Point, everything's so historical and like you have to make sure that, you know, no differently than Rush, that it's depicted exactly right. You know, the the marching has to be right, the the songs have to be right, all that other stuff has to be right. And so, you know, just working with a director like Scott Cooper, who's so, so uh, you know, has so much attention to detail, you know, just the planning for this was absolutely insane. And West Point actually, West actually uh, consulted with us on the movie. So we got to visit West Point and hear all about, you know, all their, you know, all of the history there and all that other stuff and see the campus. And that place is amazing. I don't know if you've ever been there, but West Point, if you ever get a chance to go, 
it is something to see. I mean, it's wow. amazing. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So West Point, I mean, that's like the premier um, like university for, is it like a ROTC program or is it like, it? it's for military training, right? Is it like officer training or is army training? Army training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you go, you go into that school, you know, and you don't, you technically don't leave. You, you don't have weekends off. You, you can't go out to eat at night. It's like when you go there, I don't care if it's to play sports or if it's just to go into the army. It's like, you're there working for, you know, working for a common goal and you don't, I, I don't, I think maybe I'm wrong. Don't quote me on this, but I think it's not until your senior year, you could actually leave to go off campus and go vacation and do whatever you want. And that's only like three or four times a year or something like that. Wow. It's like a year round grind. I mean, there's a reason why the army is what it is today. I mean, it's just like, yeah. you know. I was going to say, if you're, you know, if it's training our, you know, future bravest and brightest uh, in the army, it's got to be pretty spectacular to be there. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, I, I, I would, I wouldn't have lasted on the plane ride there. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I like being in entertainment for sure. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. But uh, you know, those people go through a hell of a lot, and it's it's pretty amazing. But yeah, they they consulted they consulted on the movie, and it shows. It's like really, you know, it's amazing. I can't wait to show you guys. Yeah, yeah, we can't we can't wait to see it, man. Is there oh, yeah. are there any stories that you're uh, uh, dying to tell one day that you haven't told yet, or you kind of just? I've always had like six or seven movies kind of like circling all at, you know at any given time, and it's just all about like right place, right time. You know, there's a bunch of like, there's a Western, you know, that takes place um, <clears throat> in the, um, in 1910 in the, uh, during the Mexican revolution. Oh, and, wow. uh, you know, this guy is hired to take a, a, a truckload of guns down to the, uh, down to the oil fields in Mexico to protect the U.S.'s interest over there. And so it's like him going through the Mexican revolution, like the, like the scariest place in the world. Uh, but yeah, so that's one. And th- there's, there's always a bunch of them that have kind of always like trailed, trailed behind me for the last like six or seven years or so that I'm trying to make. That's awesome, man. Love that. Did you, uh, did you catch the Emmys last night by any chance? I didn't. I saw some highlights. I saw Zendaya one. And then I saw the yep. guy from Succession said some shit. <laughs> <laughs> See that? For- uh, I think it was the last one of the last ones. Was that it? Well, for the like outstanding drama, but yeah, I, I did. You see Jimmy Kimmel get dragged out by Will Arnett. Oh, no. he was like doing this whole joke that he was like drunk backstage, and Will Arnett just dragged him out, and he like didn't even get up, just laid on the floor. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Will Arnett's like he's yeah. getting into the margaritas. I'm like, hopefully it's Casa. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Everyone Casa Amigos now. It's amazing. Oh no, for sure. <laughs> man, oh, man. Well, the, but we were, I mean, obviously because of, you know, Brock's participation in euphoria, we were hoping they'd walk away with, um, you know, the outstanding drama series, but yeah. you know, Succession's a great show and, you know, great job to them. But, um, euphoria still clocked, I think six, uh, six Emmys, man. So like, and a, and a ton oh, more yeah. nominations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah, just fine. There's some, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of like when they, even when they show the outstanding drama, I'm like, that is some stiff competition because every one of those shows is incredible. They like, all are. EV is, is so different than it was 20 years ago. I mean, like yeah. the content on television, Euphoria, you know, Succession, you know, Yellowstone. I mean, like those are like movies. I mean, like you yeah. have some in the world on those things and they're smart. They're really clever. You know, I mean, oh, they're not yeah. good shows anymore. I mean, these things are really clever. Yeah. And I think those are, that's what it takes now to really draw people in and get you hooked. You know, before it was kind of like, there wasn't as much out there, but I feel (laughs) if you can really engage somebody now, that's, what's going to hone you in and keep you now and keeping that audience member uh, going. Because if if you lose the story now, if you're not staying true to the story and storytelling as a whole, it's, there's something else out there that maybe will grab your attention, you know? And and it's always fun looking for those things too, not only as a a viewer audience member, but also to be attached to um, uh, as an actor or producer. Um, Yeah. You you really want to tell great stories, you know, and that's kind of why we're doing what we're doing. Right. Yeah. No, there's no doubt, man. There's no doubt. Tension the craft, man. That's what it is. That's it. That's it. And I love hearing that about the greats too. Like, you know, some of the people I appreciate and love their work the most from, you know, Tom and Johnny and Mel, like everyone we've, discussed it's like that attention to detail i love how you said that because you know everything on the frame can be controlled and like manipulated and like 
you know, Stanley Kubrick on the shining, like every little thing had meaning, right? Like every a chair in the background, like even you said, you know, the speed of the bicycles in the background is like, you know, yeah. made sure to be controlled. And I, I love hearing that because I think every aspiring filmmaker should understand that and know that going into it is you can never prepare enough. And like, you know, there's so much filming going on that the more detailed you can be, the better. And I, I love hearing that the people I'm such yeah. a big fan of and have been my whole life focus on that as well. It's true. It's true. I mean, like, I think like, you know, in the nineties and the eighties and stuff, you can kind of lay it up. I'm sure where it's like, cause there weren't that much, there weren't that many movies being played. There weren't that many movies coming out and there weren't that many movies being shot. And like now there's so much content coming out. There's so much shit. You've got to find a way to separate yourself at the end of the day. It's like, how do you like, you know, how do you, how do you go that extra 10 miles that actually, you know, that, that gets people to want to watch your movie when they can just turn on euphoria and not watch the movie or they can turn on, you know, Yellowstone. And, you know, I mean, it's just like at the end of the day, you have to be so much more clever today and, and you have to have that attention to detail today. And the, the storytelling has to be there today more so than it was in the eighties and nineties. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, man. Well, we're, we're definitely excited to see, uh, what comes next for you, man. And, and we're so, we're stoked for you. We're proud of you, man. Like, uh, I'm excited to do the rest of this album and see them, the films that are coming out, everything, dude. It's, it's, it's an, it's an honor to have you on. It's a pleasure, man. We always enjoy your company. Oh yeah. Thank you all so much. I appreciate it. Thank you all so much for having me on the show. Oh, it was yeah, an man. absolute pleasure, man. I'm so grateful to get some time with you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to Studio 22. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. All inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never ending fun. So booking an all inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America, and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started.